When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on The Horn. Welcome back to the Sports Complex on a Monday afternoon on the show today. We will get in to some talk about that national championship game last night. Breaking it down, giving some takes on it, and uh, for us Texas fans, kind of a little bit of pain watching that game last night. We'll get into all of that, get into some NFL talk, playoff predictions, coaching predictions, a lot of coaches and the coaching carousel is starting up in the NFL. We will get into that. Uh, we will get into uh, who else may be ending it up uh, out of a job in the NFL. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day. And, of course, we'll talk some more Texas football, some Texas basketball as they take on Texas as they take on Cincinnati tonight. Uh, some other big Big 12 games happening as well, getting you ready for the Big 12 season. Some NBA talk as well. And, of course, your text messages. 512-447-3776, 512-447-3776 is the text line number. If you guys want to join the show, you can text in right there, 512-447-3776. You guys drive the show. I just try to keep it on the rails. Uh, we're going to talk more about the championship game in the 5 o'clock hour, but it'd be remiss to not start off after having a big national championship game, uh, talking about it a little bit. And uh, uh, Michigan wins 34-13. It was not surprising that Michigan won. It's you know Michigan was one of those teams that all season long felt like they were the best team in football. Georgia was in that conversation a lot, but teams that felt like they could be dominant. And so it's not necessarily a huge surprise. I thought Washington would keep it a little bit closer. But I also thought we were going to see the Washington we saw against Texas and that we saw against Oregon. We've seen some other big games. Uh, and they, that team did not seem to show up as much. And, and a lot of that's credit to Michigan. I don't want to take away credit uh, you know, from from Michigan and what their game plan was and, and playing bully ball. And they came out and played bully ball once again and got the job done. But uh, for Texas fans, it was it was somewhat disappointing to watch some things that, you know, you had seen and, you know, 
especially in the first half, watching them run the ball all over Washington and knowing that Texas was running the ball well. And I get it's not the same thing uh, with Edwards and Corum as it is for Baxter and in blue. And I think Baxter and blue could do a good job. They were doing a good job, but you know, they both did have fumbles and you kind of worry about using them at that, uh, that amount of times. And, and, you know, I don't think either one of them was going to get 23 carries like Blake Corum did. Uh, but you expect Quinn Ewers to be able to throw the ball as well in that game. And we saw it at points in the third and fourth quarter when Washington was starting to come back and, and was still in the game that, that, you know, they were starting to slow down the run and they were starting to figure it out and sell out on the run and, and trust J.J. McCarthy to make a pass. And that's where Texas, you felt, always had that advantage uh, that some other teams may not have had was that Texas could run the ball really well and then you would throw in the passing game. Uh, and that team, you know, if you had to sell out to stop the run at Texas at any point, Texas could have just been in dominant. But really it came on the other side of the ball for Texas fans watching uh, Michael Penix Jr. not just play the same amount of game. Dylan Johnson clearly still hurting you know he had a lot of injuries at the end of the season gets hurt again uh in the texas game and then immediately immediately stepped on uh in that game and it just ends up with with texas or with with uh washington not having enough gas to get through once they were down the same position texas was in and why it's so important in college football and really any sports but college football especially to get a lead to, to be able to play from in front because playing in front, you were able to, you know, you can call the, your game plan. You don't necessarily have to switch up and just start kind of throwing them for balls. You don't have to keep going for it on fourth down where Washington felt that they were not going to get the opportunities and had to keep going for it. And once those, you know, you get into a fourth and 13 because on that third down, they try and make a big play. And I think they should have probably gone a little bit shorter on that one, uh, try to get some yardage. I think that at the end they were also trying to get more, you know, pass interferences and hoping to get the reps to bail them out. But in the end of the day, Michigan uh, gets the title. They end up uh, walking away with it at the end. The score was not really subjective of how close the game was. At the beginning of the game, seemed extremely one-sided towards uh, Michigan. Washington made the game plans, made the good decisions. You were there was a curious point when they when Washington scores in that first half. There you're like, is Harbaugh going to screw this one up too? Is Harbaugh going to throw this one away too? He didn't. He was able to hold on. And, I mean, just run the ball and, and get some first downs, play good enough defense, keep blitzing on the outside. Uh, we'll, I'll get more into, you know, kind of the, the difference in that defense in the second in the second half when we get to 5 o'clock. We'll talk more about it with you guys on the text line too uh, all show long. But, yeah, it was just disappointing as a Texas fan to think, man, if we would have played this Washington game team, the team that Michael Penix Jr. wasn't putting everything right there, where Dunze just you know dropped some easy passes and and wide open balls weren't being put right on the number, and you you think, man, all we had to do was leave him up. We were trying to guard him, and uh, it wasn't working. So it it was just a disappointing uh, as a Tex fan. But congratulations to Michigan, and if you're a Michigan fan or a Michigan Michigan man, then uh, uh, congrats on your victory. Uh, but you know, it just whew, you know. I'm excited for the future with Texas, but man, that was a, that was it was rough watching at points last night. Thinking, man, we could have been in this game, and then what could what could Texas have done against Michigan? I don't know if they could have stopped what Michigan was doing, but you know we have a much better run defense than Washington, so that could have been an issue uh, that we could have slowed down some and make JJ McCarthy make plays, which he I mean he really didn't make a lot. But again, we'll get more into that in the five o'clock. We'll we'll get in there. Uh, Let's talk some NFL. Let's start off the show with some NFL. 
and we'll get back to college football in the five o'clock hour. And you know, if you guys want to talk about it in your text, uh, we'll always go with that as well. We might open open up the phone lines today. Who knows? Phone lines might open today. I haven't done it yet, but you know, who knows? If we get into it, we decide to do that in the next segment or to, you know, in a couple segments, we may get to that as well. I uh, do want to talk a little bit of NFL uh, as the playoffs have been set. We are now in the coaching carousel portion of, of football, and the the coaches' firings are coming fast and furious. We had two that happened uh, basically directly after Arthur Smith was fired the night, Sunday night. That was a game where I, I guess Arthur Blank and the, the people at the Falcons had kind of already made that decision, and you know they felt that there was no need to have the exit interview or to have any more conversations about it, that maybe it was a, if you lose to the Saints, then you're out, and if you win, we'll have that discussion. Or maybe it was, if you don't get blown out by the Saints, then we'll have that discussion. But because of how that last game went, because of how there seemed to be a lack in communication between the two sides of you know the general manager, and this is kind of a common theme with a lot of these teams, uh, but you had a lack of consistency between the general manager and the coach where the coach clearly wants to do one thing. And, and really, you know, he trusts in Algiers. He's fine with Algiers being the running back. He, he's fine with that. And then you go out and get him another running back. And I think Bijan is a one-of-a-kind talent. He's, a, you know, everything about him would tell you that he's special. And, you know, you should if you have a chance to get that guy and you want to be able to use him, then then I get it. You should go get him. But you can't get him if the coach says, well, I'm not going to play him as much as you want because I want to play these other guys. Then it was a bad pickup. One of those guys has to go. It ends up being Arthur Smith. I mean, Kyle Pitts, you get him. He doesn't get used as much. Uh, Chris Olave, you get – or not. I'm sorry, uh, Drake London. Uh, you get him, and you don't play him as much. And, you know, as much as everybody will say, well, you've got to get your quarterback, that is another trend in here that they don't have their quarterbacks, but not everybody does. And, I mean, if we look at the coach of the year who's going to win coach of the year, Stefanski, he's doing that right now with Joe Flacco, and he's built up the rest of his team, and he's got his rest of his guys playing at a top level right now in Cleveland. So it's not, you know, as much as you need your quarterback, they spent all that money to get Deshaun Watson, and the guy's barely played for him. He's collecting his money. That fully guaranteed contract with him right now looks terrible. But they're winning, so why would you be that mad about it? You're just mad because you're writing the check, but other than that, you're pretty happy. Arthur Smith ends up uh, getting the can in, in Atlanta. It's something that needs to happen. You know, he is somebody that basically, as, as well as he did, I mean, he did well. He, you know, Mike Vrabel gets fired today. We see at Tennessee, which a lot of people are shocked about that one because Mike Vrabel does have a winning record as a coach at Tennessee. Mike Vrabel, we all know, is a good coach. Uh, and, and, you know, he's going to be sought after, I think, there was a lot of discussions of, you know, should have gotten a little bit more time. But again, they hire a new general manager in, in Tennessee, right? They hire the new general manager. And, you know, that means that they pivot and they drafted Malik Willis last year. He didn't seem like he was going to work. They get Will Levison. And, you know, he seems like he may work. They may have found the guy, and it's too late for Mike Vrabel, as, you know, his injuries and Will Levis just wasn't in early enough in the season. Then the injuries piled up, and he wasn't able to finish out the season. They still do get a win, go out on a positive note for him and Derrick Henry. But if you see Derrick Henry's gone, and you're kind of going into a new realm, in a new era of Tennessee football, you're not playing well in your division, it's time to move on. And some of these coaches, I think, you know, a lot of people are talking about Mike Vrabel now immediately going to another job. 
It's like, man, you're, you're a millionaire. You've got everything. And I know you don't want to take a year off and step away from the game and, and maybe do announcing or do whatever else for a year. Be an analyst somewhere. Just do something. Step away for a minute. But a lot of these guys, you feel like Frank Reich was a guy. Did you feel after he left Indianapolis, he just looked beaten? And to look beaten and discouraged and then immediately walk into a new place, it's hard. It's hard to be energized. It's hard to want to fight for, for every one of your, your choices and, and really go out there and fight for your players. And, and when you decide something, you say, man, I believe that this quarterback is our guy, and I believe that we need to draft this guy, and I believe on our defense we need to have this type of philosophy. And if, if you have all that and you walk into a general manager's office and that general manager is new, to the, is new and you are tired and you're beaten down because of years of just running your head into a wall, it's hard to then come out and, and and perform at the level you need to perform at to be great in the NFL. So for a guy like Mike Vrabel, I get as much as he deserves to be a head coach in the NFL. I, I mean, if I'm a if I'm hiring right now, I'd prefer to have someone who is hungry than someone who's been well fed. I just don't think the person who's well fed is necessarily going to come in and give me the boost that I need to start a new a new because I had to fire the last guy. We know Ron Rivera also got fired. Another guy who just seemed like he was tired by the end of it. Take a year off. Get a break. You know, you get the new ownership. A lot of people are saying this is now a top job because of the new ownership, because of the cap room, which, by the way, the Texans, the Texans hired D'Amico Ryans. They are now third, I believe, in cap space available next year, and they're in the playoffs. I mean, that is a great future for Houston, but for Washington, they have a ton of cap room. They cleared all those guys off their books. They got rid of the guys they weren't re-signing. They said, we're basically starting over. You can pick and choose if you want to keep Sam Howell or if you want to go after one of these quarterbacks. We've got some picks. We've got cap room. We can start to rebuild new ownership, is willing to spend. And we can't do that necessarily with the coach who's in here. So we've seen that Ron Rivera is out. Arthur Smith is out. Mike Vrabel is out. That is who's out so far uh, of our coaching carousel for the end of the season. Some of the other guys got fired in season. We know, like Josh McDaniels and Brandon Staley and uh, and Frank Reich. Who I mean, that's still I just may, when you watch a guy like when you watch if you were watching the Texans uh, uh, Titans game near the end of the season, uh, week seventeen, and you see that the Titans mess something up, and Mike Vrabel for a good forty seconds on camera is sighing and rubbing his face. Just this is not what he this is not the team that he wanted to have and all of that. And you just wonder, it do you really think that guy's gonna walk into a new team? You think that guy's really gonna be able to walk in to a new locker room and go, okay, guys, I'm hungry and I'm ready to go? Or do you think he needs a little time off? And I know he doesn't want to take it because if someone else is coming in and they, you know, you don't want to turn down interviews necessarily. You don't want to turn down you know, the opportunity to be a head coach in the NFL when there's only 30 positions and there's, you know, 32 positions, there, you, there's not enough places for you to go. You don't want to turn one of those down, but also you may need a break to get fired back up again, to get ready to go play again. Uh, Panthers have also fired their GM, which, I mean, that one is a is a pretty simple, <laughs> that one's pretty simple to go with, is that the Panthers fired their general manager because uh, he made a huge trade 
and ends up trading away DJ Moore, what turns out to be the number one pick in the draft next season, and ended up with a quarterback that wasn't C.J. Stroud who's playing really well. And we can debate all day long. I, I'm not going to say Bryce Young is a is a bust because we just he didn't have anybody there. And C.J. Stroud has more people around him. Clearly, they're a playoff team that's not completely on the back of C.J. Stroud. A lot of it is. A lot of it's done by his playing. Uh, but these are the positions right now that you're starting to look at. And general manager positions are a little bit easier to fill, I think, uh, for as you can kind of – there's a much wider breadth of – of executives out there you can kind of look at and you can take an advantage of. I'm not saying it's easier to fire the right guy. I'm saying that looking for a general manager, I think there's not necessarily, you're not necessarily just trying to go after the top 10 uh, offensive and defensive coordinators. You may be looking at different executives. Will McClay's name has come up a ton in general manager searches so far. Uh, the teams are starting to look after him. Uh, the the executive vice president or whatever his I don't remember what his title is for the Cowboys, but he's he's basically a de facto GM at the Cowboys. We know that Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones run everything, but Will McClay has kind of come up through scouting and drafting uh, to be a huge factor in what the Cowboys do and and with the Cowboys' success and some of the guys they've got. People really got to, you know, people are looking at Will McClay. I think the Cowboys are going to do everything they can to keep him. We've seen Dan Quinn's name come up a ton. Uh, with with names of, of people that are asking to to interview him, and I think he's going to wait. I don't know. I mean, he might do interviews. He he pulled his name out of some of the the uh, the coaching vacancies last season. He pulled his name out, which you know you, is kind of surprising to see Dan Quinn pull his name out of those. But also at the same point, I think there was where he was okay with what he was doing right now, and that difference of. Well, I can be a defensive coordinator. I can work really hard. I can make good money for the Cowboys because Jerry's going to pay me very well. Or I could go take over a franchise. There's way more pressure now. I have way more responsibility, and I'm going to make more money. I'll make more money. But at the same point, it's not as fun of a job. So it becomes much harder. I got to go now put together another defense where I put together this one. I get a guy like Micah Parsons who's playing out of his mind. I've been able to have kind of more freedom on the defensive end because Jerry and Steven don't want to touch that as much as they want to touch the offense. I've got some really good players. They've let me draft the guys I want to draft. I don't know if he's leaving for anything that's not a really good job, and, and Washington may be that. Washington with all the cap space where he can go out and try and assemble his team. I mean, if I'm the Cowboys, that scares me to go to to let him go to a place where he has some freedom to go try and negotiate with some of your players in division. I mean, that's one that if 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 Dan Quinn wants to negotiate a contract, be like, hell, I'm talking to the commanders. And watch how quickly Jerry opens up that checkbook to not realize that he's gonna be bidding against when Micah Parsons contract comes up and all these other and I get they they franchise tag Micah Parsons. We all know this, but uh, you know, if you look at some of those guys on the defensive end that they've built, that they've kind of put on shorter term contracts because they were paid for less or whatever else, that he could steal some of those guys away and make you rebuild that defense again with a different defensive coordinator. Who, you know, and if you've got to get another defensive coordinator in Dallas, they're going to want to rebuild that anyway. Uh, there is some other names that we still have not seen anything. And by the way, the Mike Vrabel one, because we're going to mention Bill Belichick, is another name that. Uh, is is out there right now that there's still no reports on what they're doing. You didn't expect it to move quickly because it wasn't going to be a fired on the tarmac situation with a Hall of Fame coach with you know one of the all time greats. 
You're not going to do anything crazy to get him out. Uh, so you are, and you're going to talk about trades too if you're them because he's still under contract. So you're going to go and in and maybe behind the scenes call up a San Diego or call up a Las Vegas or call up a Carolina. I don't think you go to Carolina, but call up a Commanders and say, hey, well, if you'd like to talk to him. Like the Steelers did with Tomlin, but I mean they're in the playoffs. But the Steelers do with Tomlin. They go, well, you know, if you all you guys want him so bad, if you give us a first and you think that he should be fired in, you want to give a first, maybe we'll talk. Uh, but Bill Belichick, he his name, he is more likely to be traded than I think any other coach. They talked about why Mike Vrabel, who is sought after and is a top level coach, why he was not traded, and their response makes sense. As much as I don't like the Adams. Uh, their response was, you know, we need to go find another coach. We need to set our our trajectory forward. And if we're caught negotiating for all this time, and then the teams we're negotiating with are also looking for a coach, so they're way ahead of us in interviews, another team can kind of sabotage us by keeping us on the line, and they hire somebody else in two weeks, and we still don't have anybody, and now we cut Vrabel, and now we got to go, go find another guy. Uh, I get why they kind of just had to make the decision that they were probably not going to get a ton out of it. Uh, and it could really put them behind the eight ball. So I get it. I, I agree with that. Uh, another name. So Bill Belichick, we know. I still don't believe he's coming back to the Patriots. People are either really believe he is or really believe he isn't. But the fact that the Crafts have not said anything makes you believe he's not coming back. The fact that it's a rebuild time still in New England, it feels like it's still pretty much a complete rebuild. You're in a division where you could hope that you know the Jets have one more year with Aaron Rodgers and they're going to be up against it trying to find their next quarterback. And you could hope that Miami is is a flash in the pan. You could hope that Buffalo is at the end of their rope in their contracts and that your division will open back up in the next couple of years. But Bill Belichick is not getting any younger. He's still 20-something-plus wins away from the all-time coaching record, which is what people are saying. that That's what he wants. He wants to be the all-time winningest coach. I get it. Pop did it too. Uh, but to do that, I think he's got to go somewhere else. So we'll see what ends up with him. Pete Carroll, if we see what Pete Carroll is at right now, this is one where I think Seattle's fine with keeping him. I think they'd be fine if he wanted to part ways mutually and build off. He's done pretty well, but they're right in that middle area now, and it may be time where you kind of have to slow it down. And you don't have to do a full rebuild because you've drafted really well, but kind of press a reset button on that Seattle team where you're, instead of trying to keep it afloat with Pete Carroll, maybe move on from that, let him go decide what he wants to do next as he gets older, if he wants to move into TV and not have the stress of coaching, or if he wants to go back to college, or if he wants to go to another NFL team and see what he does, uh, that'll be someone else to watch out for. The two other names to watch out for is Everflus and the Chicago. It seems like he's going to keep his job as of right now. It seems like they've kind of missed the window of firing him, and it may be still this week, but if it's not by Friday, it feels like he's going to keep his job in Chicago. And if he keeps his job in Chicago, they may be keeping Justin Fields too. All those questions, they may be waiting on a on a trade package too. For that number one pick, we'll see what ends up there. And then the last name you want to watch out for is Antonio Pierce in Las Vegas. That's one of the big names with Harbaugh, which, by the way, I've said from the beginning that uh, McDaniels, the conversations about him being fired, was it just seemed like Harbaugh to Vegas makes sense. But everyone's all right now is fully on the uh, Antonio Pierce bandwagon. So we see that Antonio Pierce is continuing to get support from Raiders people that they feel that this is what they need. I, one of the things Antonio Pierce has done, which has been exceptional, is uh, is the Raiders are the least penalized team in the NFL. That's surprising. You don't normally see that from player coaches, but that is a type of you know accountability and discipline that you sometimes can get from a player-led coach.
We can say if you want to talk about uh, some some player-led team or some teams that are not good, Houston, Dallas, not great penalties. By the way, if you're looking forward to that Houston and uh, Cleveland game, get ready for some flags. They're two of the top five most penalized teams in football right now are Cleveland and Houston, so that's going to be one. Plus, they got the same uh, officiating crew that screwed them out of that Jacksonville game uh, a few weeks back. They got that as well. Uh, but a lot of coaches to check out for in the coaching carousel, and the, you know, as it, as it keeps rolling on, we'll keep you on here uh, with names that are being thrown in to the uh, the coaching interviews. A lot of people are wondering if Bobby Slowick, who basically has one good year with the Texans and moving up, but he's part of that Shanahan tree, if he's going to get some love this uh, this off season, Bobby Slowick from the Texans, if he's going to get some love, you know, you wonder if Brian Schottenheimer and what he's doing now with the with the Cowboys, if that gives him. Some more, if someone wants to go talk to him, and you know, other than Dan Quinn, we know Kellen Moore was interviewing for the Chargers position, even though he's part of, he's part of that staff, so they're bringing him in, kind of getting those interviews out of the way at least, whether they're going to see if they're going to move on with him or not. Be curious to see what happens with Eric Bieniemy uh, in Washington with Ron Rivera out. Does he move on? Does he stay there? Does he stay as offensive coordinator? Does he move up to head coach? What does Eric Bieniemy do? We see with all of that. Uh, and, you know, we will keep you up with that as we keep going into it. It's it's just starting out that coaching carousel. We're seeing more and more names pop into it. Uh, but it's a fun time of year if you're into NFL behind the scenes. It becomes a fun time of year. All right, let's get to Packers Big Fat Poll. We're going to take a quick break, and we will come back here. Uh, but let's get to the poll first. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day on the Horn. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day today, 512-447-3776 is the text line number. We know that Michael Penix Jr. disappeared in a big game, but it made me think about who is the best big game performer of all time. Any sport, anywhere you want to put it, who is the best big game performer of all time? Is it Michael Jordan? Is he on your list? Steph Curry is there in the NBA now. Or are you going to put it over to, to Vince Young and the Texas Longhorns and what they did in the Rose Bowl, what we saw in big games? There's a great story, I believe Joel Klatt told the other day, about him in an Oklahoma State game. I'm going to tell that when we come back from break. Uh, but what, if, if, who do you have there for the biggest big game performer, the best big game performer in all of sports? Send that in on the text line, 512-447-3776. I mean, you put in there, uh, some baseball players that have done some really big things and we're always seem to get the big hit. There's a lot of names out there that you could throw in there. Who's the best big game performer of all time? Send that on the text line, 512-447-3776. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, play some sound, uh, hook them up with Ian Robbie. We might even open up those phone lines if you guys want to talk some uh, college football, some NFL football, anything else. We may open that up for you here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019 until 60, the Horn app and hornfm.com. Sports Complex of the Horn. Still don't know what I was waiting for, and my time was. Running wild and in dead end streets, and every time I thought I got it made, it seemed the taste was not so sweet. So I turned myself to 
Back on the sports complex here on the horn, playing Bowie all week since it was his birthday on Monday. Just playing some Bowie. Why not? Always a good thing to play. Uh, Join it and any of those artists where I can just easily pull up and I have to pedal it down and, and, and knock it down to 12 songs is always good. You know, some of the artists you think you can get 12 out of and then, you know, you get like seven in and then you're starting to pull some real some real deep cuts. If you got a favorite Bowie song that, you know, that makes a good intro music. It's got to make good intro music, though. There's some Bowie songs, too, that I like that I can't play because uh, they come out and it's like an 18-minute intro. It's not really that long, but a longer intro and really slow and mostly wordy and stuff like that. I can't necessarily play with that. It's not going to get me pumped up to do a segment. Can't get ready to bring the energy that you guys, uh, you guys really, you know, you know me for my energy, right? But if you got any Bowie songs you want to hear, let's we'll see if they're already on my list. 512-447-3776. Also asking you who's the biggest, the best big game performer of all time. Put that on uh, the text line as well. And anything else you want to talk about? Coaches you think should be fired? Coaches you think shouldn't have been fired? Coaches you'd like to see hired in the NFL? Put all that in. Thoughts about the, uh, thoughts about the national championship game? We'll get into some Texas basketball talk. They go on and take Cincinnati on tonight at 6. Right at the end of our show, they will be starting off their game. We'll talk some more about that. A big game for Texas. Uh, that is, uh, that's Texas is not favored him. And uh, it would be a big win for Texas on the road to uh, get their season kind of put, pointed back in the right direction. But a lot of people starting to feel that Texas may be, uh, this may not be their best year and they may need that recruiting class next year. You may see Chris Johnson get some more playing time. Uh, but who knows? Rodney Terry's turned the team. Uh, that was underperforming a little bit and got them to overperform, got them to the Elite Eight last year, got them to a Big 12 title last year when that team was underperforming for a bit uh, in, in play, in Big 12 play. They underperformed at Pitts, and, and he got them back turned around. So we'll see what happens. And it's, it's one, they lost one game. So we'll get more into that in the Cincinnati game. We'll talk about that in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, but let's keep the show rolling right now. I want to play some sound from Hook'em Up with Ian Rob B., uh, Rob Babers going behind the burnt orange curtain, talking some more Texas football, some good stuff, and the Jalen Ford uh, exit uh, piece that he put out is in there as well, I believe, and it's some good stuff there from uh, Hook Him Up with Ian Robbie weekday morning 6 to 11, and we do the replays right here on the Sports Complex on the Horn right now. All right. Uh, the Longhorns, obviously, uh, with a lot of news, whether you're talking about guys they are targeting in the transfer portal, guys who are leaving, um, a lot of different news. So we'll try to get to as much as we, uh, of it as we can. Um, okay, so let's start with the Jalen Ford farewell announcement because I thought it was pretty cool. I love these guys. And I think it, I'm sure it's Texas, but maybe they got their own that they have these graphics departments that can put together these really cool videos to say farewell to the fans. And and I'm glad that it pulls at the the heartstrings a little bit. They're all sentimental. This one might be one of the most sentimental videos 
that I've seen from any of the players uh, in their farewell videos. Jay Witt had a really nice one, too. We talked about that one last week. But here's a, if you haven't heard it or seen it, um, go on Twitter. It's on there for Jalen Ford. It's up there pinned for him. But it's uh, Jalen Ford's um, announcement that he's leaving, of course, um, but it's announcement and his farewell to all the Longhorn fans. Dear Texas, I hope by the time this day would come that my legacy here will be as good as some of the greats who have came before me. I never knew how fast this day would come, but they say all good things must come to an end. I give it my all to the school and to make sure I love Texas football better than what it was when it found me. While the journey was never easy, you taught me to be resilient. I liked courage, but you made me fearless. And being great was only a passion, and now it has become my obsession. I would like to thank my coaches for the role that they played in my development. I want to thank the fans for the unwavering support. I want to thank my teammates who have become my brothers and last but not least, I want to thank my family for always uplifting me. With that being said, while my time at Texas has come to an end, this is only the beginning. Thank you, Longhorn Nation. Welcome, 41 out. Jalen Ford's farewell message. See, they're getting more and more sentimental. Loving the violin. I know, right? Is uh, is that Sam Smith? Am I that right? Oh, I, I I don't know the song. I, um, I think it is. I think it's Sam Smith. Beautiful instrumental. So so bad at saying goodbye, something like that. Oh yeah, so bad. So at bad saying, at saying goodbye. Does that yeah. does that sound familiar? I don't know. I mean, I, I could be off about that, but I, I like Sam Smith anyway. But I digress. Uh, getting back to you, my favorite part of it, because it, it's something that I've been preaching not saying Jalen Ford got that from me um but leave it better than you found it people have been saying it for a long time um but leave the Texas program better than you found it he actually when um we got a chance to speak with him he said that the reason when when uh, he was asked why he didn't leave after his fantastic year last season because he should have won defensive player of the year in the conference and why he didn't leave, because your NFL stock was probably an all-time high. I mean, not saying it fell off a lot, but it's probably not as high as it was last year. His NFL stock was really, really high. And, I'm, and you know, in terms of linebacker, the value of it, all that will be considered. But he's a guy that's going to be drafted high enough, and I think he's a starter in the NFL. Yes. But the reason he said that he didn't leave had nothing to do with his prospects in the NFL. He didn't even really talk about that. I mean, that's what we were thinking. He said, no, nah, I didn't want to leave the program like that. After the Washington game, I didn't want to, that's not the way I wanted well, to leave. That goes to your point like, of what I didn't you want, do for Texas, yeah, right? He said, I did, "He said that's not how I wanted to leave." Basically, that's with a loss awesome. to Washington, it ended up with a loss to Washington, I guess. But it was in the College Football Playoff as opposed to in the Alamo Bowl. Uh, so, yeah, man, he's uh, he's he's cut from a different cloth. Lowest rated recruit in that class. Guys built different. Built different, right? Yeah. And that's going to be the uh, that's going to be the challenge for this Texas staff now moving forward. Is you know, these guys who saw the worst at Texas or some of the worst with a five and seven year and yeah, yeah. coaching changes and all the turmoil uh, or the tough times, I should say, you know, then, then help 
you know, build it and uh, leave a foundation that you, that you hope remains. And that's what Sark has talked about. You know, we hope we, we, we maintain that with guys like Rojo, guys like Jay Witt, guys like Jalen Ford. You know, that those are the culture guys. Culture bears. Man. Yeah, it's good culture bears. It's got to be transitioned to this new new group. And um, if it does, I think the, the trajectory continues to be very, very auspicious for Texas. Uh, but, yeah, uh, tip of the cap to Jalen Ford. He was oh. quite a player, quite oh, a player at Texas. Hell of a player, man, no doubt. One of the, I mean – Honestly, linebacker-wise, he's going to be in the all-time great conversation. I mean, he had that kind of season, that kind of legacy uh, here at Texas and played uh, most of this year with a hernia injury. Hernia yeah, he injury. did. Wasn't 100%. Uh, yeah, so I think that was around that Oklahoma game, and I think, you know, it, now it, it lines up with the eye test, too. Like, what was wrong with Jalen Ford? Well, he's dealing with an injury all season long. All right, uh, let's get to the Texas transfer portal. Uh, so Texas is actually looking at wide receiver prospects in the transfer portal, and one of them uh, is Oregon State receiver Silas Bolden. Um, apparently, he uh, target he is set to visit Texas, um, and this is according to Greg Biggins of Two Four Seven Sports reported that Texas is one of the four schools Bolden scheduled to visit to see uh, early this week. At some point, he might already be on his way to campus or on campus. But, uh, yes, yeah, so they're still looking at wide receiver targets. Yeah, we've talked that they're going to go. They need a veteran receiver. He's a small, fast guy. Small, He's like 5'8", 160, yeah, small, <laughs> but super fast. Small, speedy guy, yes. Uh, now, at least he, on his uh, social media, says Texas has offered him. He, he you know, he put out that uh, been you know, official offer. Yeah. Um, so that came from him. Silas Bolden, but yeah, they had the kid, okay, the uh, the receiver from some Liberty in yeah, this weekend. CJ Daniels. CJ uh, Daniels, a bigger, bigger he's bodied six, receiver. 6'2", 200, but man, he's really explosive. Two, 21 yards per reception at Liberty, 10 touchdowns. He's yeah, one, so they're so working. Different on, types. They could get up both of them because they're very different types of receivers. They, they are, 100%. <laughs> uh, you know, and obviously, Jontae Cook and that group, DeAndre Moore, are kind of the future at the position of wide receiver, but some experience. Matthew Golden's already committed. Uh, I would also say that. Um, you know, there's a kid named Ryan Williams who's a five-star receiver yeah. out of Alabama, the state of Alabama, and he's gonna he has reclassified. He was supposed to be for the class of 2025 coming out of high school. He's reclassified, kind of the Quinn Ewers thing, uh, and he's coming in in 2024, and he's supposed to make an official visit to Texas at the end of this month. And the the quarterback commitment for 2025 is a kid named KJ Lacey, who's from the same same yeah. area, same school. And he's going to be here that weekend when Ryan Williams comes in for a visit, too. So keep an eye on that. As far as veteran receivers, young receivers, you know, Sark's looking yeah. to stockpile that position because that's, that's he, what he wants. He's right? losing a lot. Yeah, he is. Why are you losing? I mean, you're losing your top Receiver, three receivers. D-tackle, and safety board. is where you're, yeah. you're seeing a lot of attrition at Texas um, right and now. And you got the two guys in transfer protocol, Casey Kane and Isaiah Nayor, who left. So in total, you're losing five of those guys. So And also keep this in mind for this kid, Silas Bolden, because you just talked about, you know, we mentioned you mentioned C.J. Daniels. You know, they're very different. I, I mentioned you probably could take both of these guys, considering the attrition you have, you've had at wide receiver. They also need a punt returner because they're losing Xavier Worthy. You know, they need a punt return, and this kid Silas Bolden can return punts. And you look at his stature, and <laughs> and he'll remind you of uh, Keontae Turpin from the from the yes, Cowboys. Yes, he looks like a guy. Keontae Turpin. Yeah, he actually returned the punt for a touchdown last season, and he can return kicks between him and Matthew Golden. You would be Golden yeah. <laughs> when it comes to your return Special game. Uh, and like I guess you can still have your six-two, two-hundred guy, C.J. Daniels, and also something to consider. And C.J. Vogel brought this up. I thought it was a really good point. They're going to really miss Jay Witt's blocking. Yes. Because none of the receivers block like him. And they, he's such an enthusiastic blocker and so effective. Even Sark says he's the best blocking wide receiver in the conference. I, I wonder what wide receiver is going to take that 
that role, like take that role in his office. Because with his, all those screens, the wide receiver screens, the running back screens, the quick screens, the swing screens, I mean, you need a great blocker. And oftentimes, Jay Witt would be that guy. He put him in motion. He'd be the lead blocker. He on would some be, of those and he's he's a bigger bodied guy. Yeah, and remember, thick. Uh, yeah, thick. And it, used to remember, play running back, especially at the beginning of the year. Ad Mitchell was having a hard time oh, with his man. blocking assignments yeah. on those same plays, and he got better as the year went on. But uh, it was struggle early. Uh, so it's a, it's it's an art. It's an art form to be a receiver that can get downfield and block and be willing to do that. Good stuff there from the guys on Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B. Weekday morning, 6 to 11, right here on The Horn. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get to the text on 512-447-3776. If you want to talk NFL coaching cycle, NFL playoffs, if you want to talk about the national championship game last night, Texas Longhorns, basketball, football, we can go to any of that as well. Send that in. And the Big Fat Poll, who's the best big game performer of all time? Send all those in on the text line. You know what? For the rest of the show, phone line, I've, I've, I've unblocked the phones. They're open. Uh, I don't know if anybody's going to call in, but if you want to call, we may we may go to the phone line at some point. If I run out of things to talk about, I'll go to the phone line. We'll put that on the, the table as well uh, going forward into 2024. We want to try and incorporate the phone line into the world here on the Sports Complex, but we'll keep it rolling here uh, on uh, the Sports Complex. On the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex, weekday afternoons on the Horn. Back on the Sports Complex here on the Horn, Bowie all week. Bowie all week for his birthday is what we're playing here on the Horn. Musical theme of the week. Text lines open, 512-447-3776. Phone lines open, too. 512-447-3776 is one number to remember. Make it a little bit easier for you. Uh, text line is rolling right now, though. We are asking you who is uh, the biggest, best game performer, best big game performer of all time. I should say. Uh, we're also asking if you got any takes on the game last night. If you've got uh, uh, any takes on uh, the playoff, the coaching carousel in the NFL, playoffs in the NFL, Texas being ranked number three. We'll get to that in a little bit more. Texas men's basketball coming up uh, in the five o'clock hour. We'll get into that as well. Big game tonight against Cincinnati at six o'clock. We'll get into all that. But uh, it, text in, call in 512 447 Texter says, Did JJ McCarthy really only have 10 completions? Yeah. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't throw the ball very much. They didn't have to. They got some big throws, some big throws in there for sure. Uh, getting those picking up third downs and money downs when you had to sell out to stop the run, you know, they had to stop that. But that's Michigan. Just bully ball. Just play bully ball. And if I'm watching, I trade for Justin Fields. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know. I, I, I probably don't like it if you have Eric Bianami still. I don't know if that's exactly the style I'd want to get. I'd want to have the right coach in. If I had the right coach that I felt, okay, this guy's going to work really well with Justin Fields, I may do it, but I'm going to get Justin Fields before I get the coach. Right? If that trade's going to happen, 
or do I need to get the coach first and then get Justin Fields? I feel like you've got to get the coach because you don't want to – if you get Justin Fields and then you're hiring a coach, then everyone's going to say they're going to use him, but they're all in the back of their head thinking, well, I'm going to get rid of that guy and get my guy in there. So I th- I'm, I'm, I'm there that I think it could work. It also depends on what Chicago wants. Like if Chicago wants a, a ton for him, then I'm not going to go trade everything and then for a guy that I'm not sure is there and I got to pay – uh, coming up sooner, I'd rather take a shot in the draft and, and go with that if I'm the team than and lock myself in on a guy who may not be the guy. Because we're seeing that stuff with with Jacksonville right now. Is you have Trevor Lawrence and he's just good enough. He's a good enough quarterback that you, you he's got to be your guy. You're probably not going to find someone better. You can find a lot of guys worse. But then you're also got to pay him a ton of money to be the guy. But I mean Dallas. A lot of people thought that about Dak Prescott. A lot of people thought that he was not going to be there. And, and then we see what he's done this season. He's looked really good. We'll see what he does in the playoffs. But he's looked really good this season. Was in the MVP polling up until the very end. Had a couple of missteps at the end there. Uh, Texter says, Michael Jordan. Yeah, Michael Jordan's going to be an easy one. A, a great big game performer. Uh, it's just a, just a lunatic of what he was able to accomplish as somebody that, you know, everything that went, else, that went on in his life and, and I, it's weird to think what Michael Jordan would do in today's game. And I don't mean that like we know he'd still be really good uh, playing in today's game where you could score. And I don't like the whole, well, you put up 90 a game because no handshake. It's like, well, that the game's different. But you're also still not just, it's not like any of those guys, if they weren't handshaked, would put up 90. Uh, he, would be, he would be great, of course. He'd still be great. He'd put up really good numbers. Uh, but I'm curious of like his his attitude and his way of the, uh, approaching the game of how toxic it would be considered in today's game. And it like, it doesn't work unless you have Scotty Pippen who basically would just pint everything up and then sign a really bad contract and then get madder and madder and then take it out. And the Michael Jordan would walk away and he'd take it out on everybody else. And then Michael Jordan would come back and be like, all right, let's go. And he just, every once in a while, just vince everything out. But, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's a curious one to see what he would do in today's game uh, just just mentality-wise to try and be that guy. I mean, I guess it worked for Kobe. It worked for Shaq. It, worked for, it works for guys that want to be that, you know, super aggressive guy. But I don't know. Punching teammates doesn't seem like it's as good. We'll, get, we'll talk Draymond Green an hour or two. How about that? But punching teammates, speaking of punching teammates. Uh, Texter says, VY hands down for the best big game performers. The dude was Superman in the moment. Yes, I agree. VY was, there's a great story uh, Joel Klatt was telling, I believe it was Joel Klatt, uh, was telling about that in an Oklahoma State game, that Texas is down at half, and they're in there, and Mac Brown's getting pissed off, and he's hooting and hollering, and Vince Young stands up, tells Mac Brown, don't worry, he tells him to leave. He tells him to leave. He tells everybody, don't worry, I got it, and then turns the music back on. And then goes out and kills it in the second half and the, and the Longhorns win. That's apparently a story that happened with Vince Young of just a guy who could turn it on at any level and just go dominate. It, if Go look that up on the internet. Uh, I'll see if I can find it and retweet it. Uh, but, yeah, really good stuff there. Uh, Reggie Miller is another one. Reggie Miller, it's still like – and I know there was tons of good shooting guards – but if you just look at what his accomplishments were and like how many all-star games he made and all NBAs and all that stuff, he's really not on a he's not a top guy. Like he's top eight, top seventy-five probably still, but he's not, you know, he gets put in that conversation with Jordan. And he's just not because he couldn't play defense. 
because he was a three-point shooter. Now, he would dominate in today's game as well, not having to play defense and being able to shoot threes. But but Reggie Miller, he was clutch. He had those moments where he was the best player on the court. But, yeah, just another guy. He's always an anomaly to me when you do like – like he's one of those guys that if you don't watch the game film and you just look at the numbers, it doesn't add up. His playoff numbers weren't great either, actually. But, uh, but if, it's just a weird thing if you look at that. Uh, text right when I did Bowie. We just played some Suffragette City for you there. Uh, if you guys do have more David Bowie songs you want to play, you got some hits. I'm not going to play anything I've already played twice, but uh, uh, if you got something else you want to hear from Red, you know, intro music for David Bowie, let me know on the text line. Reggie Jackson, Michael Jordan, and Tom Brady. I like that. I, that's three good ones right there. That is three good ones there for sure. Uh, Chan says, uh, also chat about the Texans basketball situation. The perimeter defense is concerning. It is. There's a lot of concerning about the seed, the team right now. Uh, we'll learn more tonight. Uh, I'll get into that in, in the next, but I don't want to pace out my show Chan, but I appreciate you listening. Uh, but with that say that is in our, uh, we'll talk about that in the five o'clock. And, uh, I don't believe Jalen F listens to Sam S. Uh, nonetheless, kudos to Rod for guessing the song. Look, I, I mean, I'm guessing that the staff who put it together, I'm guessing that the, you know, UT has a really good program and they always have a good people that put together the highlights and all these packages. If you watch if you follow them on Instagram, like the men's basketball team and the football team and all that, they're really good at putting that stuff together. I'm sure those people do it. I bet those people listen to Sam Smith and uh, best to Jalen Ford do well in the NFL. And we will be watching him on Sundays. Uh, I've seen everything. He's ranked around the 10th best linebacker in the draft, so probably not an early pick. Uh, but somebody that is definitely going to be – you could definitely feel he was going to be on a roster for a long time or a practice squad, and he's going to be one of those guys that will continue to be around the game for a while to see what they can pull out of him. And, and you know, a couple things that he just has to fix or get better at. I don't want to say fix because they aren't problems, but just a few things to get better at. And keep improving, which I think with different coaching and, and playing at a higher level will definitely help him get there. And, you know, yes, all the best to Jalen Ford. All right, we're going to keep the text line rolling here. Uh, we get into the 5 o'clock hour. We're going to talk some uh, more of the national championship game. We'll talk a little bit more Texas football and uh, Texas basketball as well. The Big 12 is uh, some of the bigger games. They kicked off this weekend, but some big games happening tonight. Uh, if you want to watch up and catch up now that football season is officially over for college, if you want to start getting into college basketball, some good games to watch tonight. We'll get into that when we come back here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com.